Oh yeah, I like the sound of that, and I know that you're gonna like the sound of it too. This is The Manny Wolf Show, where I pull no punches, I don't hold back in my conversations with some of the most interesting minds on the planet. So, put us in your ear, turn the volume up, and hang on for another episode. Looks like we are live with another episode of The Manny Wolf Show. Thank you guys so much for what has proven to be crazy support for this thing so far. Um, Today I have with me a a good friend of mine from, God, back when I first started in this space. I think Josh and I met each other, has it been five years now? Oh yeah, probably around there. Yeah, Yeah, five or six. Um, And I'm just looking down to set a couple of things in my, on my phone so that I'm sharing this out to uh, the right places. So just give me a second. There we go. Okay. It is now shared everywhere. We are hot and cooking with gas, man. Josh, before I, before I even like launch into how fascinating I find your life. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Yeah. I just publicly want to say, man, it's good to see you again. It, It really is. You and I, um, we had some really, really good talks and connections way back when at least I was still trying to figure things out. You know, yeah, we did. Like, yeah I, I feel like like you're kind of one of my early boys. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> as yeah. far as this space goes. And and same with me. Like, uh, you know, that was a period in my life where I was still trying to get my shit together and, and you know, figure out what worked and what didn't and how yeah. to how to yeah. deal with people and stuff. And uh, um so it's those times that you always remember. Absolutely. And uh, so here's a here's a blast from the past. That was back during your black tie webinars days. That's right. That's black right. Black tie webinar labs. Black tie webinar labs. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember I was so naive about funnels and lead gen and all that stuff. And I and and we were going to collaborate on something. And uh, you were taking me through your webinar process. And I just remember looking at it and going, Jesus, this is so much fucking work. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I was just going to hop on and let the money roll in. Yeah, no, I really did, man. Because I mean, when I first came into the space, the the loudest message was build a funnel, change your life. Dotcom secrets had just come out. Everybody was hacking funnels and all this stuff. And, and, you know, for better or for worse, I really, I remember talking to my wife and going, one of these days I'm going to have to build a funnel because, and I literally was saying, that's obviously how you do it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you know, and and that's a, that's an okay thing. Um, A lot of people, they don't really, you don't realize how much work goes into something until, until you start to create them a couple of times and you see what works and what doesn't. The initial creation usually is overwhelming just because of the sheer volume of stuff that you've got to take care of. But then the harder part is to take what you've just done and then spend even more time refining it. That's, you know, that's the part where either, you know, people, people either do it or they don't. And if they don't, they're just like, oh, screw this. You know, I'll just completely switch gears sort of thing. Yeah. I think that's where the dramatic fall off happens. Yeah. Right. Um, and this is interesting. I wind up, I guess it's because so many of my friends are in the entrepreneurial space. I wind up talking about this a lot with people. It's the, um, it's the, it's the tendency to kind of not have, I don't know if it's a combination of discipline, um, belief in yourself to, to, to iterate, to follow through, to stay on it 
when it doesn't yield big bucks right away, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think, um, you know, like, of course, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Uh, I wish, but I, wish if, I had known that five years ago. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but if it's honestly like, uh, you know, the more that you do stuff, the more that you create things, the more that you see how the market reacts to the stuff that you create, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the more that you realize how much work it is and whether or not, like as you mature, as I'm, you know, as you've done and as I've done since like five years from now, for me, it's no longer, can I do something? Right. Yeah. I've answered that question to myself. I'm satisfied. Yeah. Like I can do it. Now it's a question of should I, <laughs> you know, and that's, uh, that's a good point. Yeah. And and so I'm a lot more discerning with how I spend my time and what projects I spend my time on. Uh, and that's that's where I feel the more important skill is. Yeah. It's sort of like going from, you know, speech 101 to advanced stage tactics or something it's 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 a an iteration of into maturity of the process yeah. um just quickly let me just say publicly of the things that i know about that you've done in your life because i want people to understand why i chose to title this talk lessons from the world's most the most interesting man in the world um you have Worked on long on is it long boats or or tall ships? Uh, What's it called? Tall ships, tall ships. You've worked on tall ships. You've created black tie webinar labs. You've uh, you're currently touring the United States on a is it a 1974 BMW motorcycle? Close seventy one, and it's honestly it's right over there. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're literally that guy who's like you're on the road again, like Jack Kerouac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You hold on. I'm not done with you yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you have built out a uh, comprehensive funnel mapping software. You have lived on a sailboat that you yourself either restored or at least maintain. Yep. Yep. Uh, you're a musician. Yeah. You're, you're a good writer. I mean, just in the, in the stuff that you write uh, on social media. Thanks man. You have this, I'm not glad handing you here and I want people to know that it's just really fascinating to, to, to watch how sort of multifaceted your skill sets are. You have an incredible eye for photography that just kills me. You do it on a phone. And <laughs> yeah, like, seriously, like yeah. just right on this thing for the most part. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm reasonably sure that uh, you were an engineer, weren't you? Yeah. For the entertainment industry. So for like, uh, um, we designed things for like Justin Timberlake and Cirque du Soleil. And, uh, and I spent some time in Macau, uh, mm. created some things in Vegas. Like just, yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you get that? It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's all, it's all part of it, man. It's like uh, just another chapter of, uh, of a crazy yeah. ass life. But yeah. all of these things, it's funny that we're talking about this because I just was interviewing uh, a really cool person, Amber Browning Coyle, and she uh, she was talking about you know all of these different experiences that you have in your life and how they they all come together, make you so well rounded, and they all feed on one another. So yeah. as you continue yeah. to evolve in life, mm -hmm. right, you uh, you know you you get these influences from all your different experiences, and that just makes you better at what you're focusing your time on at the present moment. That is so true. Now, 
I, at various times in my life, I was on the path to committing my life to music, to committing my life to martial arts, to committing my life to art, to committing my life to theater, uh, to committing my life to uh, food service and restaurant work. You know, these were all things that I was going to take very seriously. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that it wasn't that I got to a certain point and went, nah, it was that circumstances just changed underneath my feet in a way. And so, especially because in my case, I was someone who never, never really uh, implemented sort of long-term responsibility as a way of approaching life. I was very reckless and, you know, you know a little bit about my, my, my sordid, sordid history. <laughs> right, right, right. But it's exactly like you say, um, I, I, I sort of went through a small death with each of those things when I couldn't give myself over to them completely, you know, and there was this feeling of, first of all, well, if I pick one, the others will suffer, which kept me in stasis, like a bad stasis for a mm -hmm. while. Mm -hmm. And then there was like sort of allowing a little death to happen. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to be opening my own restaurant, at least so far as I can see. I'm not going to be a working musician so far. You know what I mean? But they all now inform in ways that are very hard to pinpoint, but that I can see everything I do. So I, I just love that you guys were talking about that. It's sort of a, it, I think you would be uniquely qualified to talk about this. We just sort of, we fold those experiences into who we become. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. So if you had to say you have one main focus right now, what would what would you say that is? Uh, <laughs> uh, well, and if not, tell us. You know, tell us if you got multiple. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, no, I would say honestly, at, on a most immediate level, mm -hmm. um, finding good internet on the road. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know, like uh, in yeah. fact, I have one of these things. If you, I don't know if people have ever seen what those uh, Solus X uh, Skyroam hotspots that work oh, all over the world. Yeah, um, hotspot. But uh, but but honestly, like being able to have this sort of location independent lifestyle, but at the mm -hmm. same time, that comes with a lot of consequences and things that you have to deal with that most people don't have to worry about. You know, if you're uh, if you're just uh, at home, you just crack open the laptop and you take Internet for granted. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, kind of thing. So it's those types of things that have uh, occupied the majority of my headspace. Uh, in the immediate, um, in the immediate, yeah. But as far as like an overall, an, like an overarching yeah. goal, um, yeah, I'm, I'm working on a new. Well, it's not new for me. It, it'll be new for the world. Uh, a, a concept that I've been honing for the last almost two years now, mm -hmm. all about accountability, um, <clears throat> and and trying to the way that I've been able to do kind of what I've done. Uh, has been that I've just not beaten myself up if I wasn't able to make a whole lot of progress in these massive spurts, like, you know, these, these sprints. Yeah. Um, in, yeah. Instead, I tried to just pace myself. So mm -hmm. for instance, um, you know, in addition to doing all this online work, I'm developing software, uh, I'm having to do motorcycle maintenance all the time, get the bike ready. Uh, things like that. I've also been learning how to speak Ukrainian for the last like five months. Of course, and, you 
Yeah, right. Because that's what you do, and uh, as one does, yes. And uh, and the and honestly, the way that I do it is for an hour a day, four times a week, with somebody over in Kiev. Uh, but but that consistency, right mm -hmm. now, you know, I can understand and write and speak Ukrainian, like that's you know, and and that and that's just one example. That takes an hour a day for me, mm -hmm. and so I have maybe four or five of those things that I try to to fit into every day. And it's amazing how fast you progress when you do it that way. Yeah. You know, there's something in what you just said that, that I think can be sort of really taken at a universal level. There's, there's a strong, rigid narrative around what productivity needs to look like. And I know for me, it has left me feeling alienated you know, in fact, it's funny, just over the last few days, my journaling has been around the question of not, you know, what's the goal I'm after? What am I trying to create? It's, 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 a, it's a shift. Who do I need to become in order to create the things and, and, and get the things that I'm after? Right. It's, so it's, it's a shift in, in, in concept. But um, one of the things that I, when I write that question out and then I start to answer it each morning, one of the things that keeps coming up is in some form or another, you can't hold yourself to that sort of standard and that narrative that you see for what productivity looks like, for what uh, prolific production looks like. Yeah, because who knows where you, who knows where you gleaned that from, right? Right. Like, who knows? You, you could have just made it up. Right or or taken bits and pieces of it, um, and uh, yeah. and and you know and put it together into some semblance of an idea of productivity that in no way, shape, or form is achievable. Uh, so so I right right. So, so I think you're right in a sense that you know give yourself a little bit of slack and uh, and honestly yeah. just try to move the ball forward a yard every day and see where that gets right. you. Um, yeah. So, so do I you agree. think that? So do you think that? kind of being able to let go of some packaged or cookie cutter or or um, conventional model of what life looks like has been influential in you uh, sort of at least getting good at if not mastering all the unique things that you've you've done I do I uh, yeah it's interesting that you say that because I you know spend time thinking about this and um, it, I, for, for some reason, somewhere back in my childhood, I, uh, I rejected, I rejected the idea that I was going to go along with everyone else. Yeah. So, so, and I, and I don't know what, what point in my life I, I started to actively pursue things where that, that were the opposite of what everybody did. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I, I, I'm not sure to this day, like where that really came from, but yeah. I can tell you that the the results that have yielded from that type of behavior yeah. have always been have always been they've served me well like in in various various things uh I'm just find that now through living that more unconventional idea of what it is to be productive and what it is to be a success quote yeah. unquote yeah. um that that that's left me with a with a really healthy interest of the fringes of life and that's where I have found the majority of my interests have come. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, 
and and honestly pursuing those have led down these like incredible pathways that yeah. we never would have had otherwise so yeah yeah so i, I do think it stems from that yeah i and you know it, it's really cool to hear you say that because you have the the sort of uh the jack kerouac pedigree that that backs this up this isn't just a guy sitting in his armchair philosophizing about the fringes of life you know what i mean right. you've done some really interesting and sort of off the beaten trail stuff i remember us having a conversation i'm going to guess it was about 4 years ago on the phone and you're like man i'm thinking about this whole you know doing this whole like running my business from my phone thing you remember that call uh, i remember talking to you about it yeah and and you're like, I, I just don't know, like, you know, like, like, how do I get the book or no, not no, how do I get the book out there? I'm jumping ahead. But you're like, I, I feel like I need more notoriety or something to do this. You know, um, I think that's what you said. And I was saying, what if you just start documenting a little bit of every day, you know, because like, dude, you're living on a sailboat. You're doing all this stuff. You know, I feel like there's a book in there for sure. <laughs> yeah. A couple of them, a whole volume yeah. series at this uh, point. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I guess where I was going with that was uh, sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees in our own experience. Sure. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's uh, cause we're living it. Yeah. And I, and I think that, uh, you know, I lose sight of the fact that this type of life and the things that I do that to me are daily and almost yeah. desensitized um, at this point, uh, that I, I lose sight of the fact that they might be interesting to other people. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and, you know, it's going through the experience of writing my own book and, and I, I had no idea one word to the next, whether my book was worth two shits. I had to read it nightly to my wife to get any feedback and perspective on it. And so it was this beautiful little ritual, but, but going through that, it was like, Oh, okay. I get it. Like, you know, what I mean? it, it really helped me see this thing that I took for granted is not normal. Yeah, totally. You know? And, and you have to ask yourself, I mean, how many people is it going to take to tell you that you've got something good going on yeah. that you're going to start to believe it? Right. Yeah, no you know, it's a good question that people yeah. should ask themselves. Yeah. Uh, you know, how many people is it really going to take? And uh, what's your number? Everybody's yeah. got a number. Hey, Manny here. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the importance of growing your own personal brand and your own audience. In this day and age, if you do business on social media or on the Internet in general, you need to be focused on your personal brand and your personal brand is a function of what people say, think, and feel about you behind your back. And that's where we can come in and help you tremendously. So I'd like to invite you to go over to my website, mannywolf.com, where you can either schedule a call with me or my team, or you can learn about the ways that we can help you to grow your audience powerfully and quickly. In this day and age, content is absolutely king. And if you don't have a content strategy, you can't expect big results. And what we do is we help you with powerful, powerful content strategies. In short, we can put you everywhere all the time without you doing hardly any work. Sounds kind of cool, right? 
If you'd like to learn more, head over to mannywolf.com and either book a call or look into one of the ways that we have already prepared to help you rapidly grow your audience, grow your trust, your authority, your personal brand, and of course, through all of those things, grow your business. All right, now back to the show. Number, what's your number? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I can see that. And uh, I feel like I'll probably be that way with the book that I write too mm-hmm. until I get comfortable with the fact that, for me anyway, it's always about, um, I, like, I don't want to sound vain, like with the book. That's what I always worry about. I want to try and, um, and, and write these experiences in a way that, that people learn something from them yeah. or, or get something out yeah. of them. Um, and I'm always cognizant about that. I, I hate, uh, yeah, I hate talking about me just for like me's yeah. sake yeah. kind of thing. Well, then this interview must be sucking. <laughs> no, here I got, I got, I got what you need here. <laughs> here's, you know, I, I've, I've coached and supported and, and, um, uh, uh, been a sort of a, uh, not a counselor, but it's just giving people feedback and guidance on their book writing process a lot. And here's what I can tell you, simply put, make sure you don't ever position yourself as the hero or the victim when you tell the story. And that keeps that keeps you in the sweet spot, right? You want to hold yourself on the same level as every other player in the story. So yep. you're never looking for sympathy and you're never like, check this shit out. Yeah, that's a good right? way to put it. Yeah. I, can, I can see that. Yeah. Especially yep. if it's like, um, if it's a, if it's a, um, a life story, you know, if it's uh what's, what's I'm, lately like I'm drawing, an autobiography kind of, thank thing. you. Memoir. That's the yeah. word I was looking yeah. for. <laughs> yeah. I have been drawing blanks on the most common words lately. I don't know what's going on, man. I, I blame it on coronavirus. I do. <laughs> yeah. That's how it's showing up for me. Those are my symptoms. This is how I'm experiencing it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's just, just sort of unflinching. Right. Yeah. It, it's sort of the approach is like, I'm just going to tell the truth to the best of my ability. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, uh, and, you know, to go back to like um, your comment about the sailboat and living on the, yeah. that type of thing. Um, the other portion of life that I feel has, has, has contributed to the way that I am and the things that I'm doing um, and the sailboats are really good, like analogy for this, because yeah. when you live on a boat like that, and I'm not tied to the dock. I'm moored out in the middle of the Hudson River. So I actually have right. to take a small boat from land, right? <laughs> and motor to the larger boat and tie it up. And then that's how I get on and off. Well, when you live on a boat that way, everything is constantly moving. Everything is constantly mm-hmm. dynamic. Staying still and staying stagnant is not not just an, like, it's not just a fear. It's like literally not possible. Yeah. And um, And so that sense of constantly moving, constantly having to adapt, you know, you're, you're the motion of the boat, certainly. And, um, weather, you're so much mm-hmm. more affected by weather at that point. Yeah. So you <clears throat> always have to keep an eye. All of those that like keeps you sharp in a way. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and that translates to all these other areas of life, you know, like the Ukrainian, like, uh, like doing all the marketing and the software development. Um, I've never found that I've stayed stagnant with something mainly because I'm so used to constantly having to adapt. Um, And uh, so I think that the more that people that are listening to this, if you're getting anything out of this ramble that I've put myself (laughs) on, uh, it's really just that, uh, that stay moving, like stay moving. 
because you know <clears throat> if you stop you die that's such a uh, an apropos and, and timely analogy for me um you, you when you work with other people do you find that sort of in rhythms different themes tend to present themselves over and over again uh yeah you mean as you know far as I mean like how is as far as like how they're acting or like are my observations of them so i'm i coach people as i assume you probably do at least somewhat i know you work on other things but when you coach people my experience has been that like like whether or not someone is able to get into action comes up with multiple coaching clients across let's say as an example two or three months it's the front and center issue and then another issue will come up and it'll just sort of surreptitiously show up in all these different unrelated people um and i take that as you know when we coach people we learn more than they do if it's done if it's done right it's 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 a funny funny business cuz you're getting paid very well to learn more than you teach <laughs> it's a weird not thing not too many professions like that not too many and so for me right now the whole idea of staying in action is front and center so i find this interesting that you said that um action beats emotion every time action is a way to get the the stalemates moving it's it's a way to it's the only way to get through the inertia um so what do you find it do you find you ever find do you find that you're ever in a space where it's a little hard to get into action or is that sure. just sort of yeah tell me about that a little bit what, yeah sure uh, i think everybody does i do i certainly do um you know when things don't things don't play out the way that i sort of visualized how they would uh, yeah. um if if honestly like the the latest sort of thing is that you just get tired yeah like you get really tired um, of trying, trying and pushing what seemingly feels like you're going up river. Um, yeah. and that, that slows you to a stop and you are so tempted to just, to just, you know, stop swimming and let the river take you. Yeah. Uh, and, and you just have to fight through that there, you know, the hard work isn't the hard work. I'm trying to remember who quoted this. I think it was like Dick Cheney or something like that. But I mean, he was saying, you know, hard work is the work that you do after the hard work that you've already done. And right. I think that was yeah. a really good way to, to think about it. You know, once yeah. you think you've worked hard and then you have more work to do, that's actually, you know, the hard work. That's the stuff mm -hmm. that, that will distinguish you from the rest of the pack. Um, yeah. And I feel that way a lot. Uh, there's a, but, but the more that you move, the more that you put yourself into a routine where you're constantly working you give yourself boundaries you challenge yourself whenever i take on a new project i give myself what i, I kind of like break out a time estimate of how long i think it's going to take yeah. and then i'll cut that in half and i'll say all right now i have that much time to get mm -hmm. this done and that yeah. forces me to think creatively it forces me to act on things and not to sit there and wonder oh do i have the right words for my tagline or you know right. whatever yeah. you know I act because because that action is really what's going to give me the feedback that I need to yeah. to make something successful. Yeah. One of the foremen that I used to have working for me when I was still doing construction used to love to say the reward for hard work well done is more hard work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's a truth to that, you know. Um 
I think it's satisfaction, the satisfaction of doing hard work, but doing a job well, right. Is, is certainly present. You know, it's not like work for work's sake. It's like the fact that you feel damn proud when you create something that was hard and, uh, and, and you've produced it and it's worked and you can step back and just feel this immense satisfaction on what you've done. Absolutely. Uh, where do you prefer, which type of hard work do you prefer? The hard work that must go along with working on a ship or the hard work that comes, to, that, that is required to conceptualize and build like a software platform? Oh man, yeah. Uh, well, when I was younger, it would have been the, it would have been the tall ship stuff yeah. uh, and the physical labor of yeah. it all. Right. Yeah. Because that physical labor, I mean, you're out at sea for for days and days and uh, and you're it is a very, very physical job. You're these are all if you do, if people are listening and they don't know what a tall ship is, it's a traditionally rigged sailboat. And they range from, you know, 80 feet to 250 feet. And they look like pirate ships. And so mm-hmm. they've got big, large crews. And um, we we sleep in hammocks sometimes and uh, um, and you climb up aloft and into the rigging and you deal with the sails and stuff. So it's very physical. Everything's raised by hand. We're not talking like barefoot cruises in the BVI's kind of thing. Right. My ties on the front on the sun deck kind of stuff. It's a uh, um, very, very rigorous. And but along with that, you one, you just feel lean. And two, you get to experience things that are just unexperienceable by anyone else. Yeah. Um, and, and those types of memories I'll always have and I'll always cherish. Yeah. So I, I really love that kind of work. But as you get older, uh, you anybody who's smart, in my opinion, or cognizant or self-aware yeah. knows that they're not going to be able to keep that level up right. forever. Right. And they need to start like getting paid from using their head and not necessarily their muscle. Yeah, that, that was, it was a hard switch to make for me too. You know, um, one of the things I still, I still carry with me um, the memory acutely, like in my body of 14 hour days painting houses, right? Didn't do, I didn't do as many of those as, as people might like to brag about, but I've done it. And it's, it's, it's just, it's indescribably hard work. After about the tenth hour, things everything just gets harder, you know. Yeah, picking I mean, up even a, being up, up on that brush. ladder and yeah. stuff. Yeah, just well, ladders are the worst, man. As I'm sure you know, yeah, ladders are a, a devious creation of Satan to bedevil the days of man. <laughs> they are fucking evil. Yep, yep. But um, but you know, like switching to the mind work was hard in the sense that. If you get really good at at any, well, I assume any kind, most kinds of like sophisticated physical skills, it becomes very hard to transition out of that, right? Because you 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 inevitably hit this point where you look back and you go, I can't make half of what I'm making now doing anything else that I can think of, you know? <laughs> and yet it's getting a little harder to get up in the morning. You know, it's taking a little longer each day before the stiffness goes away. You start to feel oh, yeah. it. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then you get to a point where there's like a point of no return. Yeah. You know, you, in your mind, you say to yourself, well, I'm like, I'm totally fucked now because 
I, I can't, yeah, I can't do anything else. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do? Start over at like 45 years old right. kind of thing, yeah. you know, and start from scratch. I can't do that. And, uh, and I think that it's, that's wrong on two counts yeah. in a sense that one, you're never, you're never too old to start over, but two, mm -hmm. um, that's not, that's not a real, um, uh, objection, right? That's, that's a certainly yeah. like a manufactured objection yeah. in your head, but yeah, it's just a question of letting your ego like back off for a little bit and then just progressing. Um, I can I can honestly say that uh, from from some serious experience because after all of this tall ship stuff, I spent years. I, spent, I was like, you know, eight years or so working in this industry, and I gave it all up. And then I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to be an engineer. I've always had that kind of mindset. What do I need to do to make this happen? I majored in Spanish. At Denison University. So, like, I, how in the world is a Spanish major going to go into engineering? Right. And uh, and so, but I found a program at Boston University. Make a long story short, but I had to teach myself um, trig, trigonometry, and uh, and then take a test to get into a calculus class, of which I then had to teach myself calculus. And this yeah. was just to apply for this program. And here I am at like 29 at the time thinking, dude, I am way too old to be starting over right. in school. Right. Like I'm going to be sitting in a classroom with all of these like 18 year old kids and I'm just going to feel embarrassed. I'm going to be the yeah. older guy. Well, I'll tell you what, what, what actually happened was that, yes, I sat in those classrooms with these 18 year olds and I completely fucked the curve up for them grading wise, yeah. right? Because I was there with purpose yeah, and they were there not knowing what the hell they wanted yeah. to do with their life. And that yeah. made all of the difference when it came to performance. I had the exact same situation when I went back to school. I left school. I I had to give a presentation to my uh, pr my um, uh, principal in high school to tell him why I was dropping out. <laughs> so, yeah. So I gave him a little presentation, gave him my business plan, what I was going to do, and didn't come back in 11th grade. And so when I went back to college, it was just like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, but you're right about the purpose. Um, the thing that I really want to kind of explore, though, is uh, first, I want to say you taught yourself. Did you say calculus? Yeah, I used you're um, not you're not comforting anyone listening to this. You understand that, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's honestly, it's not as hard. Like I was never a math person when I was growing up. I never really mm -hmm. considered myself one. But very much like learning a language, mm -hmm. you just have to give yourself a little bit of time to understand it. But yeah. once once you break over this point where you're just like, holy <clears throat> crap, like I get this now, then all of the doors open up. And and calculus isn't as daunting as you would imagine it is. It's not not even close. Yeah. Uh, it's just uh, it's just your impression of calculus sure. that's that's the scary part. Um I had a similar experience with algebra. I ramped up to it and failed twice. Finally got a good professor who was really kind of one of those like, you know, stand and deliver professors. And through that, I, I actually developed a fascination and a love for, for the puzzle and the logic side of it. Um, oh, totally. I didn't pursue it past, you know, getting through it because it was a requirement, but I know what you mean. Yeah. I know what you mean. And there's uh, the, and, the and word right. calculus is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it is, but you're right in the sense that there are, there really are like good teachers and, and then not so good teachers. A lot of um, some of the best people to explain concepts like that I found <laughs> were online, like on YouTube videos. 
uh, yeah. yeah. These, these guys that were professors at a community college somewhere in the middle of Minnesota. And, uh, and they not only knew all of the concepts, but they also <laughs> understood the psychology of teaching and man, it would just click, you know? So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I get that. Um, I, I think that the one thing that we're, we're sort of illustrating here <clears throat> is the power of what I might call curiosity. You know, I won't even call it intellectual curiosity, although I do, I do think that um, you're one of the more intellectually curious people I know, which is, which is really, that is me glad handing you. That is a, <laughs> from me, that's a big compliment because I'm always lamenting the lack of curiosity and intellectual curiosity. Thanks, as we man. sort of, as we sort of come to, uh, you know, get to the hour here and I want to be respectful of your time. Can you talk a little bit about where you suspect that curiosity might have come from? Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. If I think back, back, really far back, um, that curiosity, I think, stems from a need to understand how things work. Uh, but that really doesn't, I don't think that helps people listening at all because it sounds like you either have it or you don't. And I think that that's wrong. Um, yeah. I think that, uh, my cousin, um, Matt Sprosty, he's a, he's a, um, screenwriter. And he once told me this quote that I think was amazing. He's like, only, you know, only boring people are boring. Uh, and, and if to be interesting, you need to be interested, right? So yeah. that interest, I think, is, is cultivated the more that you go out and experience new things. Like, I think it's impossible for anybody yeah. listening right now to go get dropped into the middle of Japan somewhere yeah. and not be, not be interested or curious with why people are doing what they're doing yeah. and, you know, and for, for how long and what's the meaning behind it and stuff. I think that it's not that people necessarily aren't curious it's that they don't put themselves into an opportunity of experiencing new things enough. Right. Uh, yes. And yes. Uh, that's, that's where I think the difference is. So for me, because I dropped myself into all these, all these different weird experiences, uh, mm -hmm. the curiosity came naturally. Yeah. Uh, and that makes a lot of sense. I, um, I feel like an interesting thing happened. You know, there's that, uh, that, that play an interesting thing happened on the way to the theater or whatever it's called. An interesting thing happened on our way to utopia as a species, yeah. right? We still have all these drives in us that, that were relevant back when we lived in the tall grass and might encounter big cats and things like that. Right. But we've built up around ourselves such a profoundly cushioned society. I mean, yeah. granted, granted this, this virus is teaching us something, but we won't get caught napping on something like this again after this happens. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I promise you one thing about humans, we ain't getting, you know, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice. Right. But, um, but we've, we've built up societies around ourselves that are so insulatory and so cushioning and so overabundant that it's like, it reminds me of something that's like the trajectory is moving towards Aldous Huxley and brave new world, right? Where you can just plug into infinite pleasure 
to the point where you don't even realize it, but you're in the matrix. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> and, true. And one of the things that I think is a, a side effect of that, I think it was Earl Nightingale who I first heard say, we find in this modern age, the man who never has to get out of first or second gear in order to succeed. I think what you're talking about, and certainly what I've known of what you've done, is you have put yourself in situations that require you to get well out of second gear. Totally. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Extremely out of your comfort zone. You know, yeah. you're talking, we're talking, um, you know, stuff, stuff, the most embarrassing things. I, I've, I've got so many embarrassing stories of, uh, <laughs> of things, but you learn, you know, you learn to rely on yourself. You learn to be self-reliant in those kinds of situations. And yeah. you, you can't help but just, just naturally absorb as a human being all yeah. of these experiences and all of these emotions uh, um, to see the brighter side of the world. And, uh, and that sticks with you, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's a great place to, to put a tack in it, my friend. I want to thank you so much for your time, Josh. Um, I was very excited to catch up with you again. You know, it's only been a few messages here and there over the last few years. But like many other people, I'm definitely watching what you're up to and always kind of shaking my head and going, damn, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. He's living the dream. <laughs> yeah, man, no, this was, this was fantastic. I really appreciate you having me on. I, I really enjoyed the conversation. And, uh, and honestly, uh, um, if people were curious and want to follow me, Saltwater yep. CEO is the Instagram account. So if they okay. want to follow the trip, uh, check it out there. Is that where you like to send people, Saltwater CEO on Instagram? Yeah, that's the best just because it's, okay. uh, it's a bunch of cool pictures and, uh, and stuff that I feel like it's the easiest to get the gist. Perfect. Perfect. All right, my friend, I look forward to more cool stuff from you in the future, and I'm uh, pretty sure you won't disappoint, man. Thanks, man. <laughs> I appreciate it. And last thing, before you get to California, give me heads up. Oh, I will. Okay, I will. Brother. All right, man. See ya. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Manny Wolf Show. If you know someone that you'd love to have me interview, please go to my website at mannywolf.com. That's M-A-N-N-Y-W-O-L-F-E.com and submit them as a potential guest. We love to bring guests on that our audience wants to hear from. So please help us to find the best guests for you by going to mannywolf.com submitting anyone that you have in mind to be a great guest, including yourself. And if you'd like to know more about me and what I do, please come over to Facebook and join my group, simply called the Manny Wolf Group. If you'd like to get more into my world where we have all kinds of tips, trainings, valuable stuff for you to help you get better at growing your brand and your audience, please come and join the Manny Wolf Group on Facebook. Until our next episode, I'll see you.